Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, as always, we will thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana. Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. Title sponsor of the Nolcast and driving force behind all of that we do. Uh, so we've got a couple of listener questions we'll try to get to at the end of this question, uh, podcast. If we don't get there, uh, we'll have a, a follow-up pod here shortly. Uh, but this will be majority focused on recruiting. A lot going on, uh, both on off the field. Uh, Bud, we're ever so fortunate to be able to lean on your professional experience here. One of the top people in the industry and uh, excited to get your opinion as to kind of where Florida State sits moving into 22, some of the recent additions they've made and uh, kind of where they stand as is. Yeah, uh, so I'm really happy to be here tonight doing this because we have a lot to talk about, a, a whole lot. Where do we want to start here? On my list tonight, we have Dead Period, uh, the hire of Ryan Bartow, some crystal ball picks, maybe some crystal ball picks that I was close to putting in. Uh, AJ Duffy, Julian Armella, offensive line recruiting, etc. I think we should start with the first two because they, they sort of pair uh, together. Uh, this evening, the Division I Council voted to extend the dead period for uh, recruiting through May 31st. So practically, I'll start nationally and then kind of focus in on what this means for the Knowles. Uh, nationally, this means no visits with college coaches, either on the campus or on the prospects campus. Coaches can't go watch them in person. Basically, no in-person contact at all. Prospects can still visit campus, but it's this kind of awkward, like you can visit campus, but you can't have you can't have coaches dialing you up and, and Skyping you and all this stuff while you walk around. It, it, it's... It's very restrictive. It's literally called the dead period. Uh, this is something that hurt Florida State quite a bit last year as a staff that was a little bit light on Florida connections, but I think a, a very personable staff and a staff that's actually not that bad of a recruiting staff was unable to get out on the road and meet kids and say, hey, I'm Alex Atkins. I'm Dillingham. I'm, hell, I'm Mike Norvell, right? <laughs> uh, they were unable to make those those in-person connections. And at I think they were just very much behind the eight ball. So this has been extended to May 31st. Practically what this means is that you will not be able to have any junior days. Uh, you will not be able to have visitors to your campus uh, for observing practice and maybe for the spring game and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that, that really sucks. Why are they doing this? It depends on who you ask, right? There are a couple reasons. Number one is the, the, the stated reason is going to be you know, COVID, which I am not going to sit here and tell you is a non-factor. Clearly, without that, they would not be extending this. And and there's probably some good sense in not wanting to just open the floodgates of people flying all over the place. The associated testing costs that come with that, having your people get you know get get infected. And I mean, look, even though it doesn't hurt young people nearly as much as far as we know. Uh, that you know that it does the elderly population and, and the the more vulnerable, it still can hurt them some. But the other issue here is money, and this is what they don't want to talk about. They want to talk about athlete safety and and the safety of personnel and and all that stuff. And okay, I, I just I just gave that the lip service that it, that it deserves. And look, I think there's some some truth to that. A lot of schools out there right now very much want to save money. They didn't get their ticket revenue. They didn't maybe get some of their TV revenue. And this is not just your real small schools. Like this is probably most of the schools in D1 right now are looking to find ways to save money. And so you might say, okay, well, like why, 
how does this save money? It does in a couple of ways. Number one, we have spring official visits now under the, under the rules. So if you have the dead period lifted, guys can take official visits, which are on the school's dime in the spring. Number two, a lot of schools are furloughing people right now. Like they didn't furlough you during the college football season. They waited to furlough you during the off season. It's a lot easier to go on an extended furlough. Well, not easier on you as the employee, but on the school, this is happening all over the country right now where, where people are taking furloughs or open positions are, are not being filled. And if you extend the dead period, you don't have to fill those positions quite, quite as quickly because nobody's coming on campus to, to meet you. you. You need a little bit less support for your recruiting operation. You know, maybe you can go a little bit longer without hiring a coach, save, save a month or two on salary for some of these assistant spots. You also, I mean, if nobody's coming on campus, you don't need people there to greet them, right? And, and all, all sort of the, the back office staff that nobody's ever going to know. Um, and you obviously save money on travel costs for all these coaches who would want to go out and, uh, and evaluate these recruits. I don't know any coaches who like this ruling, but the coaches aren't, aren't the ones calling the shots here, right? It's the, the people above them. So your, your ADs and your school presidents who are looking at budgets and are, are looking at CYA for safety. And that, that's why they're doing it. Man, for Florida State, this sucks, right? Like they've been pitching for a long time. Come, you know, come up here and come see us. And, uh, they, they've, <laughs> there's only so much long distance relationship you can do, man, over Zoom and, and, and until you want to see somebody in person. And this is just going to kind of, you know, delay gratification yet again. That does suck. And it, it hinders their ability to make relationships with people in the state and, and in the Southeast who they otherwise could, could get out and, and meet in person. It's COVID, it's safety, but it's also like, let's be real here. For the vast majority of schools, it is absolutely a, a cost savings measure. Stuff. I mean, it's tough on Florida State. It's particularly tough on these kids that are trying to make an educated opinion, haven't been able to, you know, go and look at schools for more or less a calendar year at this point. You know, I can certainly understand the argument of safety and uh, can understand even more the concerns when it comes to balancing budgets. But uh, it's, it certainly puts an awful lot of pressure on student athletes and for schools like Florida State with new staffs, uh, with new situations where they're trying to sell a message of you know newness, change culture, bringing you in as kind of the change agent, well, it's even harder to see yourself as that type of change agent if you aren't able to go there on, on site and you know, walk through locker rooms and everything else. So uh, certainly is a limiter or a limitation to Florida State's uh, recruiting, although on the whole, they have uh, done pretty well over the last six weeks. But you're right. I can I can understand the frustration that they've gone at least another three months. Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and, and just transition now into a related topic. You need somebody to help you build these relationships, and you need somebody to kind of jumpstart this thing because Florida State's been trying to do it over Zoom with with mixed results. Um, it's no secret that I don't that like they didn't get one of their one of their top choices to run. You know, the overall recruiting department, we reported that a, a while ago, over a year ago now. They had Coach Locke as the director of high school relations. He left to take a coaching position uh, with, what, Western Kentucky now? He's a running backs coach. At the time, I said I, I didn't think that was much of a loss, right? I think he's, an, he's a nice guy, um, but I think he was very much focused on becoming a coach. And in that role, the director of high school relations, I really think you need somebody 
who loves recruiting, who lives it, breathes it. And man, I think they made a good hire here. They, they, they hired Ryan Bartow, who I know personally, I never worked with personally uh, because our, our time at 24-7 Sports did not overlap. Uh, but I did work alongside him in the field when we were interviewing prospects, observing prospects, et cetera. And I'll tell you guys that Bartow is the type of dude who we all like recruiting, right? And when we're out on the field, we're talking recruiting. But Bartow is the type of guy that wants to talk recruiting even after, like when, when, when you're, gra- you're grabbing a meal or, or grabbing a beer or whatever afterwards. Like he, there's no off switch. He loves recruiting and he loves wrestling, right? And, and the guy just like, I think he's a really good fit for that role. We had a Patreon question. What was Bartow the top choice for this role? I actually think it was Ernie Sims, who obviously Florida State legend, you know, from the state of Florida, uh, but USF elected to promote him to an on-field coaching role. You're obviously not going to take the the director of high school relations role over an on-field coaching role. So congrats to Ernie for getting that. But man, I think getting somebody in there who is really passionate about recruiting is, is going to matter. Uh, you saw a lot of high school coaches in the state of Florida and throughout the Southeast congratulating him, you know, Ryan, that is, on, on the move. He's passionate about it. He knows so many people in this state. And that's because he was on the road for, gosh, I, I, I mean, forever. He, he would go like throughout the state, hit every single high school. He would go and spend what seemed like several weeks out in California, hitting up all, all, all the high schools out there. Like the guy just, he knows people. He has relationships with a lot of people. He knows who you need to know. And I think he's pretty good at identifying kind of who calls the shots in recruits, uh, recruitments. His background, he was, uh, he was at Rivals for a time. Then he was with 24-7 Sports for, I think, like a decade. Then he got hired, I think, by Oregon. There may have been some, something in between there. But he got hired by Oregon uh, to work for, for Cristobal. Then he went to, to uh, I believe, to Catapult, and to Sy- which is a, a scouting company, and then to Syracuse uh, last year and uh, was was one of their influential recruiters and in putting together their class. And, dude, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of people I'd rather have in that role as far as guys who have a lot of contacts in the state of Florida, especially contacts in South Florida. I mean, Bartow was in Fort Lauderdale. Which, you know, that's where he lived, as he would call it, Fort Lottie, <laughs> you know, which the guy just lives and breathes recruiting. He has a lot of contacts. He does work hard. And I think that will help them. Like sometimes you just need to know who to be put in touch with. And I actually had that experience today on, on a different business deal I was, I was working with, which I can't go into. And I'm like, man, all we need is a foot in the door. And I was like, oh, I, I know a guy over there. It's like, we're buddies. It's like, seriously? I was like, yeah. So it just, sometimes you need to know somebody who knows people. I think Bartow absolutely knows people. Um, he loves recruiting. And I, don't, I think that's, I think this is a legitimate upgrade. Uh, a, to get somebody who actually wants to be in recruiting as opposed to trying to become a coach. B, somebody who has as many contacts as he does. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to get your perspective of that. And obviously a lot of different people have worked with, uh, with Ryan over the, over the years. And you're right. I mean, at... At one point, uh, I certainly want to uh, to give Coach Locke credit. I mean, a lot of these guys work for an awful long time and don't ever move into a position coach capacity, and that is more kind of the traditional path. 
obviously if it's your want, then that's ultimately what you want to do. And, you know, you follow a series of actions that you feel like is the most likely to let you land in a place like that. Um, I do feel like this larger support staff and, uh, and a broader recruiting network that seems to more and more be picking off uh, people on your side of the industry is not going anywhere. If anything, I think it's probably exponentially growing. Uh, so I, I think there's just as bright of a career path and more kind of this networking aspect of recruiting. Uh, but I think you're right to be successful in it. Like you have to be at almost any job. You've got to be, you know, fully uh, wanting to be there, wanting to do the job. And certainly doesn't sound like you're going to have any kind of uh, problem with, with getting the, the subject matter, uh, you know, jumped into by the person that's in the position. Yeah, I, I don't think Barto is going to go hang out in the running back coach room all day and, and pretend to be a, a running backs coach. Uh, I, I think he'll, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned that the the, con- the comment about about the industry. I I've thought about this some, especially after Barton got hired by by Vandy, you know, Barton Simmons, who's now the director of recruiting at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, we had a couple people ask me like, "Would you be interested in doing something like this?" Not colleges. Well, I, I've had some talks with colleges before, but the thing is, you you got to find the right opportunity. You know, like if if you're if you're married and you have a mortgage and and, and kids, it's hard to be like, "Hey." Honey, what do you say if I take like a 60% pay cut and we move and then I'm going to work just as many hours as I do now, if not more, and the path to advancement is a crazy bottleneck where the chance you reach the top and you actually become a director director is real low. It's not the, it's not the easiest sell, right? But I will say that Football as a sport has lagged way behind other sports in terms of hiring people who are sort of outside the box, which is not really surprising. I mean, baseball has had probably 50 or 60 writers, analysts become, you know, guys who work for teams. Hockey has had an absolute ton too. Basically, like the entire staff of Fangraphs.com uh, has, has had that happen on baseball and then whatever they call the, the Fangraphs.com for for hockey, which is, uh, I don't know, like puck graphs or something like that. And basketball, we've seen you know quite a bit as well. We've seen some in soccer. Football is sort of the last frontier of it. And I think part of it is because there, there's not, not as many new jobs being created in, in football, especially in the college football. Like you're having to, you would have to basically replace somebody who already has a gig as opposed to where in baseball, you know, it's pro sports. They just create another job. It's like, oh, here's another uh, stats analyst position or, you know, swing analyst position or launch angle analyst or w- whatever you want to call it. In football, like you have to actually actively make the choice to take somebody like that and put them in a role of director of high school relations or, um, you know, director of recruiting, et cetera, which is a little bit tougher to do. But yeah, I, I think this is a, a hire that will help FSU with its connections for sure. Speaking of connections, we have had even more people make a legendary decision with legendary home loans. I was talking to Shannon on the phone the other day and he said, but I have six more in the pipeline coming. I know we are, we are getting in more shirts to be able to send out to folks. So very excited about that. For those of you who have taken advantage of the refi option, when you called 844-FSU-LOAN, we're going to have to find something else to, to do for you because we already sent you a shirt back when you, uh, back when you got your mortgage through those guys with, with Shannon and Chad. Uh, hey, Rates may not be this low forever, uh, especially on the refi side. If you've not refied yet, I'm not a, not a rates analyst, but 
Uh, I, I wouldn't wait a whole lot longer. I, I would I would pull the trigger and give Shannon the call eight four four FSU loan. This is uh, this is a unique opportunity to to lock in an awesome rate. I am uh, by no means an expert, but uh, if you look at the bond market, sometimes that can be a harbinger of interest rates uh, going up in the bond market is as high as it's been in, uh, I think, a year and maybe 54 weeks or so. So, yes, would uh, encourage you to contact Shannon, ask him if what I just said is absolute malarkey or not, and uh, what is the best way for you guys to partner. He's been a a great addition for us and uh, would be somebody that's certainly worth reaching out to. So uh, I dropped a couple of crystal ball picks today on uh, Knowles247.com and I figured we should discuss them because obviously if I'm putting in picks for uh, for players, that's something that FSU fans probably want to know. And two of them, Ingram, were for offensive linemen. I mean, insert uh, sound cue here. Uh, very interested to hear. We got one! Yeah, uh, so... Went ahead and dropped one in for uh, Kaniah Charlton. Kaniah Charlton is a kid out of Georgia. FSU was one of the first uh, Power Five schools to offer him. He, he's, out, he's out of Brunswick, Georgia. Uh, put a crystal ball uh, confidence of six there. So um, decently, you know, confident on it. Big kid. I mean, six six three thirty. I think he's a guard. Alex Atkins has done a nice job in his recruitment. From what I understand, uh, just asking around, I, I think FSU is in the best spot for him right now. And I, I think he probably would be a take for them if he wanted to call up and commit. Uh, currently, no star rating. Um, I'm sure he'll get some stars at some point. My guess is you know, probably a three-star at this point. But uh, somebody I know Florida State likes, that'd be a nice addition to the class. And then a kid named Dr. Richardson, who's actually... This is the central kid? Yeah, for Miami Central, I I actually had a chance to see him in uh, in a camp before the sh- or actually this was during the shutdown, but this was actually when when we were still allowed to travel to camps for a little bit, and uh, he moved pretty well. He is uh, you know he's he's lean. I'll, I'll say it in, in a nice way. He's six five, two sixty five, but he act- he played for was it Godby I believe before he he moved back down to Central. He's got a lot of ties to Tallahassee. FSU offered him. I think he's he's a very intriguing player. Probably not an instant impact guy given his size, but look, Florida State has to get in, into the development game. I was actually talking to Shannon about this, our you know from Legendary Home Loans team, made four four FSU loan, and he was asking me like, "Hey, why isn't Florida State getting these five star tackle prospects?" And I said, "That's just those are basically the hardest guys to get, right? Like those are the guys that are not going to buy in on faith." You can get some of those guys in a couple of years if you start racking up some wins, but like for right now, you're going to need to hit on some dudes who are not projects, but you know, multi-year developmental plan type guys, uh, or some dudes who have a higher floor, but maybe not quite as high of a ceiling. And I think that'll be an important thing to balance in this class. Maybe you go after two high ceiling guys, and then one who you think maybe a little bit quicker timetable to the field, but uh, could also you know, help you out. Uh, a little bit earlier, or excuse me, but may, you know, may not be able to help you out quite as much at the top end. And the third one uh, that I actually put in, I was the second guy to put in one for here. I know Andrew Ivins put one in about about two weeks ago. Ivins does uh, Southeast recruiting for us at 24-7 Sports. And uh, Ja'Cory Thomas. Ja'Cory Thomas, pretty interesting athlete. I think he, he could play you know safety. Maybe he could play corner. 
He could probably help you on offense too. Just a, a versatile athlete, plays for Boone, which is where where Sean Bray uh, Jackson in the 2021 class came from. FSU's also offered the offensive tackle over there, and Boone has a couple other nice prospects in the pipeline. I think just asking around, Florida State's in, in good shape here, and I'm I'm I don't really know who I would put it as as number two. So yeah, I I, I think this is a this is a solid. Well, I don't want to say solid addition. It, he would have to actually join the class, but I, I think Jacory is a solid player, man. So things are things are kind of trending up for the Knowles right now in recruiting. And that's not to say they're going to get a bunch of top hundred kids, but there are a lot of kids who are receiving the message well. I think they've done a nice job with their messaging and like just consistently hitting up dudes. We we hear that a lot. Hey, issues you know talks to me all the time. One improvement I will say is like they, they send graphics the kids actually post, which is cool. And that's definitely a way that schools gauge how much a kid likes them, right? It's, it's sort of the, you've seen the, like the Instagram meme where it's like, hey, you know, if, if, uh, if the dude won't post you, you're not his girlfriend, right? Well, if you're sending really fire edits to these kids, but they don't actually tweet them out or post them on, on their Instagram or you know, TikTok or whatever, I guess you really can't put a meme on TikTok unless it's a, a you know, moving then maybe they don't like you as much. Schools use that a lot to figure out where they actually are with kids. I think that's pretty interesting. By the way, I, I think I misspoke. Did, did I say Ja'Cory could maybe play corner? I, I, I apologize. That, that's not what I meant to say. I brought him back that in my head. I, I, think he's, I think he's more of a safety. They're feeling good. Yeah, so you know, certainly a general feel of, uh, of positive momentum with Florida State. I want to go back to a conversation we had a week or two ago. Um, obviously, the addition of Nico Marquial is a, is a nice, solid add to the class. Uh, at the time he recruited, or at the time he committed, I said, I like him. I like that that's uh, a quarterback. I would prefer if it's not you know, necessarily the only quarterback. Uh a lot of fans have gotten real caught up kind of in A.J. Duffy recently, bud. Uh, he released a top four. You know, this is an honest question to you. Uh, kid releases a top four, and the biggest names in the room, not the biggest names, but many of the names that I put the most value on as far as Crystal Ball and their opinion uh, have Arizona State, a school that's not in the top four. I don't need to promote 247 any more than we do during the natural course of this podcast, but if if Steve Wolfong has a crystal ball in for a kid, I have a hard time, you know, seeing him go elsewhere. I haven't seen that crystal ball change. It's a IMG quarterback originally out of Arizona. For those that aren't immediately aware of Duffy uh, would be a really solid prospect. Where in your opinion is Florida state with him right now? So I, I think Florida state is absolutely in it, but the fact that he dropped that top four, I mean, just, just a couple days after after Will Fong and Greg Biggins, who is our national analyst you know, covering the West Coast. And Biggins has been Biggins has done this for God, 20 years and, and has extensive connections in the quarterback community. He worked with Elite Eleven for a while. Like he knows the QB scene as as good as anybody. Last year, Biggins hit 98% on the crystal ball. All right. Steve Wilfong hit 97%. Wolf, I mean, and and Steve made 556 picks. Like he was our best predictor by far. Uh, Chris Cartman for Arizona State, 
He was 20 of 20. Uh, doesn't seem to put in a lot of picks on kids just willy-nilly. Look, I think Florida State has a good relationship with A.J. Duffy. He also tweeted out, my dude, when FSU hired Ryan Bartow, I believe was, was, was the tweet, my dude. And then today he tweeted out 1%, which is you know, one of Florida State's workout slogans, right? Get, get 1% better every day. If there was new information to act on, and maybe there is, I think you'd probably see some changes there. And you haven't, right? Those guys still have relatively high confidence picks, seven or eight on the confidence scale. It's still really early in his recruitment. I think FSU is recruiting him hard. I think he does like FSU. But kids put out fake, kids put out top fours all the time or top fives or whatever to try to smoke screen, to try to build drama in a recruitment, all that kind of stuff. I think Arizona State is the team to beat for AJ Duffy right now. It doesn't mean Florida State cannot overcome that and beat him, beat Arizona State. We'll see how that goes. I think he's a pretty good player. Um, and we'll see where he ends up ranked and, and where, where Nico ends up ranked. Ultimately, I, I think Nico you know, probably needs to, uh, to you know, find the production that he had more as a sophomore in Colorado than, than what he had in, uh, in, in Arizona as a, as a junior. But yeah, I, I, I see where you're going with that. And, and I think that's an astute observation by you. Like, hey, wait a second. All these dudes predicted him to one school and then he comes out with his top four like very quickly afterwards. Hmm. Kind of, kind of funky. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously the fact that he's at IMG, there's a lot of uh, things that can lead you to believe that uh, Florida State's heavily in it and Florida State's at a good position. Uh, I think, like you said, we'll just see if uh, some of those crystal balls start to move or where it is. But as of now, I would be, you know, I'd be hesitant to start to uh, having a two quarterback class in your mind of, of Markiel and Duffy at this point. So, yeah, I mean, it, it could happen. I just, I, I wouldn't totally bite on that. Another interesting one that we should probably talk about is uh, Sam McCall uh, speaking to, I think it was the Florida rival site. People have said, said that Florida state was out in front. I mean, if, if he said that, and, and I don't have any reason to, to doubt it, uh, as far as you know, what the reporter, that's a that's a hell of a prospect. I mean, Sam McCall is a legit elite safety uh, or guy that can also help you on the offensive side of the ball, playing receiver. Uh, now, I spoke some sources on this, and this caught them by surprise. I will say, like this caught Florida State by surprise. A lot of people thought that he was going to go to Florida back when Torian Gray, who's a really good recruiter in Polk County, was still at Florida. But, but Torian Gray was dismissed by Florida and left to go uh, to South Carolina to be their DB coach. So when that happened, um, you know, McCall and uh, McClendon, who's his teammate, they were kind of, you know, maybe not as much of locks to, to the Gators. McCall's Twitter handle, though, is, is Bama Boy. He is from Alabama. I will tell you that the teams recruiting McCall do see Alabama as the number one threat. That's just kind of the way it is. All right. It's hard to kind of be shocked about that given how good they've been, but that's just what I got. They're like, look, uh, that's great. We, we love that, that we're doing a good job recruiting him. If you ask South Carolina, if you ask Florida State, if you ask Florida, 
they're all going to identify one team as the, as the main threat there. Interesting to hear. Uh, we'll pause ever so briefly to thank our friends at Congruity. Congruity is experiencing your business optimized. Had some great feedback already from a couple different people that have reached out to uh, our good friend, Matt Lewis. Uh, just to, you know, nothing to lose by a 10 minute phone conversation. Have a, have a talk with Matt, uh, see if it's a good fit, see if he can find ways to either save you money, uh, enhance your overall operations. Uh, they're just great people. We're real fortunate to work with them, but excited to work with them for quite a while now. Uh, and you can reach them at 844-247-4100 or Knowles, N-O-L-E-S at, or Knowles, N-O-L-E-S at congruityhr.com. So I wanted to kind of pose a theory to you and bounce it off. Let me know what you think. But it seems like FSU is doing a much better job in recruiting this year than they were last year. And the common sense thing would say, yeah, they've had 14 months to establish relationships as opposed to just a couple months when so much of recruiting is working ahead of time. And a lot of these schools have, you know, much of their classes locked up way in advance. I think Ingram is frozen. So I'm going to go ahead and continue. I, I'm, I'm assuming you can hear me, but then. We will see. Clearly, like they were behind the eight ball last year, really through no fault of their own. And then the pandemic hit, which sucked. And again, through, you know, through real, no real fault of their own. But I, I think now what we are seeing is there's a little bit of a difference in like exposure. So the class of 2021, for the most part, had been on campuses, had had a chance to meet coaches, had had a chance to, to hang out and and just get to know these guys in person a little bit. In many cases, they had camped at these schools. And now, like the class of 2022 has not. There's a greater number of class of 2022 prospects than there were 2021s who have never been to any college's campus, who have never met any of these college coaches in person. So I think that's something to really think about here. FSU is probably at a little bit less of a disadvantage than they were prior just because you know they, they, they've been able to to meet these kids over zoom and they're not behind the eight ball like other staffs were because it, like other staffs hey i've actually met den mullen i've met manny diaz i've met those guys in person right i've been to their campus they they, they toured me around they, they've had to meet with academics etc now it's a little bit more even playing field and i i think that's helping Quite a bunch. I mean, you're you're seeing FSU is in play with some prospects that are are pretty damn good, and I I think that they are doing a nice job so far casting a fairly wide net uh, at the position, especially when it comes to like we talked about identifying guys you can sign if you go you know five and seven, six and six, seven and five, maybe eight four. Have a plan for who you can sign and still succeed if you go any of those four, you know, probably most likely results and not in order, obviously, but, you know, t- take your pick as to which one you think is, is most likely. You know, I, I think they've done a nice job getting, getting the McAdoo kid out of Arkansas. He's, he's having, you know, he's having a, a, a nice recruitment. We know Arkansas was, was, was kind of stinging to, to not be able to get him. They've done a good job with Marcus Peterson. Kid, kid out, out out of Lake City, Florida, who we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. I think he's a he's a pretty solid looking tight end prospect who who we know that they're in on. They they've expanded their their offensive line recruiting board already. They just offered the kid from Boone. Um, I don't know if he's a you know a take or not, but certainly somebody who 
who they're interested in. Uh, they offered Dr. Richardson. They, they've offered Quashon Sapp out of Leesburg and, you know, Kaniah Charlton. So I think they're doing a pretty good job. And, and of those guys, I don't know how many of those dudes project as, you know, top 100 type kids, kids who, you know, is it just, is it just hard to, to see them getting top 100 type grades and, and getting in that range to where are they really going to pick a school that in their, in their entirety of their high school career has really just not been that good and, and would see making a bowl game this year as, a, as a success. Maybe some of those kids will, but some of those kids probably won't. I think FSU is doing a pretty good job of targeting those guys right now. And what I'm going to be interested to see is will they continue targeting well? So it's fine to be in on kids who are top 100 type kids. In fact, there are some that they're absolutely in on and they're in good position for. Take Marvin Jones Jr. I mean, if I, if I had to drop a crystal ball today, I would probably put it on the Knowles. Now, look, he, he's got Ohio State. He's got Bama. He's got a, a boatload of, of you know, really good schools. And we'll see how the season plays out. But I think you gotta, you got to feel fairly good there about that. I and mean, I think you have to feel pretty okay about Julian Armella, right? Who, who's you know, a nice offensive lineman from South Florida. But unless he's going to come in anytime soon, I think if, the, the longer he takes his recruitment and, and lengthens it out and maybe takes it to signing day or you know, takes it to Christmas or, or takes it however long, I think the more that, that helps the Knowles because for the most part, a lot of schools don't wait on offensive linemen unless they're like legitimately you know, five-star type tackles. And I just don't know that he fits that. So certainly some developments there to watch. But I, I think that they are doing a pretty good job of targeting. What I'm going to be watching for is, you know, how quickly are they able to to pivot if they need to on some of these kids? I'm I'm curious about that. Let's say Jerron Willis totally blows up. And maybe that's a bad example because they, they do have some, you know, some personal connections with him. But what what if he becomes like a top 40 prospect in the country or something? Like, can they evaluate that and say what what is the real reason that we think this kid will sign with us if we go six and six, right? You, I think you have to be able to answer that for everybody on your board. Like why will X top 100 type player sign with us over, I don't know, team that's been to the playoff a couple of times if we go six and six or seven and five. And maybe the answer is just because he just loves us and we have a special connection and he believes in, in the climb and that's fine. But if you look at your board and you're using that for every single one, you're either the best recruiters in the nation or you're, you're overestimating your chances. So I think it's important to, to use some precision targeting here. I think another guy they're in on, and it's, it's hard to know, this kid doesn't talk a lot, but uh, Azari A. Thomas, a kid I think is a really good player out of Niceville. I mean, he's, he's number 99 player in the country as of this recording for, for 24-7 sports. FSU's in on him. We, we, we know that he, he grew up an old fan. Multi-sport guy. His brother plays for Georgia Tech. I mean, he's he's a nice player. I don't know how much more he's going to blow up. If he doesn't, like if he just kind of stays where he is, that's a kid you might be able to get, especially because we, we don't know where he is on, on some of the boards of his other schools. Devin Moore is another player. Obviously, Florida uh, with the hire of Jules Montanar, probably, that probably helps him quite a bit. But we know Florida State's in that race as well. So. Anyway, I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit tonight 
And I think it pairs nicely with our final, final sponsor of the night, Madso. If you guys are in town, got to make sure to hit up Madso. I saw some folks hitting up the Girl Scout cookie skillets. Those are absolutely incredible. Madso has been a longtime sponsor of ours. If you guys can support them, it is absolutely great, as well as their sister restaurant just across the street township. Can't wait to get up there for the spring game. Check those guys out again and, and maybe see a couple of y'all at a safe distance, of course. Great outdoor patio scene there, the weather right now. Okay, maybe it's a little bit cold right now, but hell, it's a lot warmer than the rest of the country. Hope everybody out there who doesn't live in Florida, but as Noelcast listeners are uh, are staying safe, including Ingram, whose power, I think, just went out, uh, unfortunately. But we will uh, persevere here. Anyway, uh, we didn't get to a whole lot of questions tonight. We'll have to come back with another episode uh, early next week and hit up some more questions. Now we had a couple more, but I'm going to go ahead, I think, and call it here. Just kind of rapid fire tonight, given given Ingram's power situation. Appreciate you guys listening. Five stars on Apple Podcast, if you can. Also available on Spotify. We're trying to get our Spotify listeners up as well. It's another great great place to listen to the Nolcast. Appreciate you guys' support of the show. And be sure to follow us on Twitter as well, at Nolcast. So with that, I'll see you later. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles. Thank you.